0: mountain brothers podcast
1: what is up and welcome back to another episode of the bull mountain brothers podcast how are you doing guys
0: superb
2: pretty good you guys
1: we split up this (laughs) weekend
2: we did um
1: matt took his stepson out that was just on the podcast chad Took him out to the lake, and I had some things I had to do yesterday afternoon, but I ended up tagging along with you guys um, to put out cameras.
0: We did. We went out. And
1: that was a successful day, I would say.
0: Yeah, well, we didn't get as many cameras put out as we would like to, but... That's we didn't find that many.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, it was more or less because someone had a time they had to be home no i'm just kidding
0: well the the areas we needed to get to were inaccessible oh they're all locked yeah Yeah. and the only person that had the key was swathing so
1: yeah so we ended up putting out three cameras (sighs) uh did you put
2: the one uh back up in that tree
0: no no i just we just have the one at the well
2: okay but yeah the other two
0: spots are pretty 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 good i think
2: yeah, and we Riley and I did a did a pretty good hike.
0: Overshot it by about <laughs> like, yeah, three quarters of Ramsey's like,
2: I'll meet you guys at the Solar Well. <laughs> Pulled up onyx because we're like, I think we went one hill too much, like two thousand feet from the Solar Well. <laughs> we're like, huh, all right, so like we're a half a mile from where we should be. <laughs> and it was a little weird though because we found a lot of uh like dead elk skulls, cow skulls, and it just seemed like a little kind of was a it was weird. Yeah.
1: But we also found like, we've been going around this property for like three or four years now because we just got access to this. Like we could hunt one section of the property and then we got another corner section, but it's all timber and it's all like literally all the elk on the whole property. Mm -hmm. And uh, we usually have these certain routes that we take, that we drive, that we walk or whatever. And Sean and I went down this one cut and we found like a whole new other... Um, like a whole new world almost. Oh, it's just it was full of
2: water. I mean, it was deep. It was like you'd never on the road you'd never know that was there. And we got down there, and at parts you were probably twenty five feet down. I mean, it was
1: yeah. And it was all like, is it running? No. Well, I, I think it the was end, the, towards Small the
2: trickles. end, it was the cows. Well, well, but should it. be
3: enough for them bulls to make wallows. Though. Yeah, no. that's oh, what our that theory whole.
2: Was. I mean, it was.
1: I bet you that one. Is it thing, a tree?
3: Oh yeah, a lot of trees.
1: It was a. Ha- it was basically imagine um let me think of somewhere is it kind of like that pond up there no it's, you know what's exactly like is the the little water you got to cross over by um behind the house no 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 no. um where the rock is and i tried to take the clients to get the, okay cross. okay yeah the one that goes around right there uh where that marshy area mm-hmm. is it's mm-hmm. like that but like a half a mile long of it oh nice and so we ended up. We didn't even end up putting a camera there because we found another place. Mm-hmm. That but, and
0: you guys didn't have any other cameras.
2: Yeah,
1: Ramsey was at the solar well. Putting no, I had one. I had one with us. Oh yeah.
2: But I, it was just we didn't see any game tracks. I mean, it was a lot of cow tracks. I'm sure if we because I mean there was fingers every 30, 40 yards that came down into it. I'm sure if we walked up every single one of those, one of them would have been a would have been a little game trail. But the horse flies were so bad that. Or the horse flies and deer flies that
1: were just like yeah they're biting the oh, all of cows
3: I was cooking Friday night and got stung up underneath my shorts <laughs> oh by one of them horse flies <laughs> holy cows
1: well the only thing I can think of is they're just gnawing on cows or something because everyone that I would slap on my hand would just leave blood all over my hand I was like well that's cool so Sean stayed like and walked around along the creek bottom and I went up higher we we're like hoping we would find sheds and we never did and <clears throat> we didn't even end up putting the camera down in that spot anyways. No. But that's because Ramsey had the cameras back at Yeah. So we met up with Ramsey. It was kind of funny because Ramsey called me when Sean and I found one of the dead elk. And uh, we were just, Sean and I were just sitting there trying to figure out what it was and try to find the ivories. Yeah, no ivories on both, too. Well, we couldn't really find the jaw bones. The, the
2: one that we did where we... where we
3: No ivory says somebody... Uh... Might have done something they shouldn't have.
1: Could have been. Could have been. I
3: don't know.
0: Whenever I find a dead elk, that's the first thing I take.
1: Yeah. I don't know. We just, it was old though. I mean, it was like the the part, the first part I found was like the, the, the cap of the skull and then their jaw bones and it was like hardly, it was hard to tell what it was. And then Ramsey yeah. called me and he's like, hey, where are you at? And I was like, I think I might be right below you. He's like, hey, hold on, hold on. And he uh, hit the horn and it was like right above us. So. All right. We got to him. and We put a second camera out, and then the third camera is one that we've been by like ten times, and it's a spot that Ramsey and I last year um, we almost, I almost shot a bull right off this ridge. He got into like eighty yards on us. I cow called at him. It was October, like well, it, it was the last. The last day. It was the very last day of, day of archery season. season, and I, I cow called at it, and it was just like nah and he just walked the other direction so they, they must have been over yep. i mean so we're like let's put cameras in this canyon and we pull up and it's like as big as the ranger wide to like get in there mm-hmm. and there's just a bull <clears throat> just standing in the middle of the road <laughs> monster bull monster. oh yeah so the, you two took off after it just to get pictures yeah never got on again i knew that was gonna happen oh no that thing busted i mean it broke the top up
3: wire bar. off the fence.
1: When you see when you see a bull, when they do like the when they rear back, you know you're never going to see it again. No. They're hitting like... If they rear back, their head goes in the air, they're gone. Yeah. They're going mock I mean, we, we've direction. seen
3: them come across the river and shit, it's seven miles to the property line up in that one corner. By the time you get there with the ranger, they're coming through the coulee on you.
1: Right. <clears> yeah, it's... But they it was cool. They can cover it.
3: some land for being such big animals. It was cool oh, to yeah.
1: see. And then like the deer hunting out there has been really jacked up. And we saw like... The biggest two-point that we've seen out there before. Yeah, it was a huge... I mean, which, again, it's a two-point, but it was nice to see that there's deer in there, I guess. The one that we saw, yeah. Well,
0: how many trips did we take out there last year where you didn't see a single deer almost
3: all day? Did you guys find any good bone?
1: No, Mm -mm. not a single shed.
3: That
0: that, that
1: that area is really hit or miss, though. We could have hiked more, but, I mean, dude, it was like 95 degrees. It was brutal. On on Saturday? Yeah, the side that we hiked, though, was... Like the perfect area to find shit too. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's See, it talk super about cold the fact that we from, didn't yeah. get going till like two hours after we wanted to get going either.
3: Yeah,
0: why was that?
1: what, what do you think? Why do you
3: think
0: do you that we were, while late? While
1: we were late?
3: Well, I know Sean was there a half an hour before you guys woke up, so it could not have been Sean. So I'm guessing Sean must have broke down. So get this, Matt. Not
0: only was he a half an hour late. <laughs> I called him at the time he was supposed to be there and he wasn't even awake.
3: Oh, usually it's when I call people like, well, I didn't just hop in the shower.
0: Oh, no, that's what he told me. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm out the door. And then he called me again and it was, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I got to go to the studio and get the SD cards and then.
2: So, you know, you're you're 10 minutes late to a rendezvous to to go hunting and you get shit all the time for it. And then when I have to wake people up from their sleep to go hunting, that that's not as bad as, you know, me being 10 but, minutes late.
0: But we were only a half an hour late in the morning. You had to wake us up. You were two hours late yesterday.
2: And then you add up all the other late times. I
3: mean, you're fucked. <laughs> you're <laughs> fucked, bud.
1: It was me today. That it was my fault today that we were late, though.
3: So you guys found a big bowl. We... Uh, we had Chad's bachelor party up on the mountain all weekend. Caught, went to our honey hole, caught a walleye. Did you? The first thing we caught was a walleye, not nothing big, maybe a little two and a half pounder. And then shit, we must have had 15, 18 bass, nothing, oh, nice. nothing worth any size to. But yeah. if a person could have had some real grasshoppers, would have been a game changer. Well, the grasshoppers? Just go out right, to where yeah. we were. Holy there, nothing up there, nothing. Hmm.
0: We had the front window open on the Ranger. Them things hurting getting melted. And they would just like jump around the cab of the Ranger. Oh, it was bad. So bad.
1: Yeah. It's unbelievable. Because it, it was weirdly like, so the air conditioner in Dad's Ranger works really well. Super good. But it was almost colder to have the window open at the same time. So you had to like sacrifice whether you wanted to sweat your ass off in the Ranger or, or get destroyed by a
0: die via murder from
3: grasshoppers.
1: So. Did you guys have a good time at the lake then? We did. Friday was phenomenal.
3: Saturday was cold. Was it? Yeah. Well, you go from 102, 104 to mid 80s. Right. It's cold. Well, that water was 86 degrees on Friday. Jeez. 86 degrees. 86. The water was? 86. Holy hell. Was the warmest cove we found? It was 86, 86.4 actually. It was a warmest cove, and it was right down there by the launch.
0: Do you have a fish finder on your pontoon boat too? We do. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I guess I knew that because you always would ask Amy what the temperature was. But
1: mm. well, I guess uh, it's pretty cool that we had a good weekend, though. I mean, mm-hmm. another good summer weekend.
0: Definitely
3: more relaxed than some of the past
0: weekends. Yeah.
1: Which no offense, nice, cause but it was, it was
3: pretty fun with just the boys up there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, where was where would the, the offense came from that? Well, like going with Amy and the whole family Oh, okay. Awesome. Oh, okay. it wasn't towards <laughs> but, us. So. Was like, was <laughs> like, it was good because we weren't there? But having just a boys weekend was pretty cool. Well, that's good. That was super loud. I apologize
0: for that.
1: <laughs> so last week we had Chad on, who was, yes, that was yep. a bachelor party. Um, and we had talked at the end about how this week we have kind of a special opportunity, something we've been wanting to do for
0: since it started since yeah. before
1: this started
3: you were thinking about
0: yeah because you even talked about how like yeah.
1: this is like the biggest reason that you were interested yeah. in podcasting in podcasting was to be able to do this interview this interview so we decided you, you said hey we have this opportunity on a Sunday let's go do it and my mic is falling off the table <laughs> technical difficulties here um, of course so it's you, Riley's. Of course it's Riley's. It's always mine. Yeah. This always used to happen before. Like when you were in California, we would be using like, uh, we used that poker table yeah. and we used like your kitchen it, table. He's like a, hot tub. He's afraid
0: that if he gets it tightened, it's going to like hurt something.
1: Well, yeah, I don't want to ruin your table. And
0: so like you put it on there, just like I bumped mine one time. It just fell off. I was like, oh, that Never
1: happened in the hot tub though.
0: No, because I put them on in the hot tub. I was like, I'm going to crank these suckers on.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, anyways, um, so it's like, hey, let's take the take the podcast on the road. We packed all of our stuff up this morning, and we headed down to the Two Leggings Outfitters Lodge to meet with Trapper Dave, who we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, and we're here now. We get this interview, and we're really excited to learn and teach. Not teach, but introduce everybody to how do you say it the man the myth and the legend trapper dave yeah
0: right oh man did you see him perk <laughs> up when you said that over there i mean
2: we've talked about him so much on the podcast i feel like this opportunity and
3: this is what podcast 30
1: is is that okay to, to to hear that you've been talked about a lot yeah as long as it's been good <laughs> i think it's all been it's all been good it's all been uh hunting stories life lessons
0: yeah, lots of life lessons.
1: And skills. So if you're okay with that, that's what it's been.
4: Well, I've been around you boys since you're about 14 years old, so I reckon it'll work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and we keep Matt from saying it. He says all the good things, too. Yeah, try to. So, yeah. Um, Dave, Dave Schaff of Two Leggings Outfitters is here. How are you, Dave? I'm doing good. Yourself? Good to be with you boys. <laughs> yeah, we're doing good. It's it's really interesting for us to be doing this on a weekend. It's actually really a lot more relaxing because we don't have to worry about going back home 30 miles at 11 o'clock at night. So this is a lot more relaxing for us. Well, that's good. Um, We're happy to have you here. We'd like to start out with really going back in time. We're not going to age you too much here, but we'd like to know, we'd like to start out with basically, when did your passion for the outdoors start? Where did you grow up and and what what brought you to where you're at
4: oh grew up right here in bighorn county been living right here in bighorn county along the bighorn river shoot all my life since we was kids
1: and you're are your parents from this area uh yeah
4: they moved in here oh heck about 51 52
1: and they were they bought this house you've lived in this house
4: Uh, we lived we rent we leased this place from some people that owned it years ago and Pretty much grew up in my childhood right here at this place. Wow. And That'd then be. we folks got bought another place and then I turned around and bought this
1: back from a cousin of mine. Hmm. Back in eighty. That doesn't really probably happen very often when you no. go back. I would I would have done the same thing. This place is awesome. This has always been
3: when he grew up here it was a one bedroom, correct? Two bedroom. Two bedroom. And it's the dining room and the kitchen and where the stove and stuff is now used to be the porch. I'll have to get some old pictures and show you guys.
1: Really? So it did, did it not have a basement before? No.
3: No, he built all that after he bought it in 1980. That's when I thought I was a
1: carpenter. Okay. <laughs> okay.
3: So. um. And then we built this lodge in 2000. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which would have been the extension this way. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yeah, wish we could maybe. Yeah, well, I don't know if we want to do that. But the way they got the lodge set up is basically it's. You got a nice dining room, beautiful common living room. room, common room. And then they built it really smartly. They have a big long hallway and then it's almost like I mean, I would compare it to a hotel really, where you have four bedrooms and showers and stuff. So if you booked um booked yourself a hunt here, it's like staying in your own you know, your own private area. You don't really have to Yeah yeah,
3: you have your own room, shower, bathroom. Um, usually you and another person, unless it's just you by yourself. But, uh, we, we love getting big groups of six, eight guys in at one time and kind of have them just take the whole lodge over. And sometimes we've, Dave's had people with him so long that they actually turn into family. I mean, we had one group that used to bring the beds out of the bedroom and move everything in the living room and set the beds out here so they could lay down and watch TV. That's how comfortable oh, really? got being here. <laughs> yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal group of guys we have.
1: So let's, let's stay back in, back in the early times, Dave, you got, well, you're known as Trapper Dave. So at this young age, you probably discovered trapping, uh, you know, in your, how old were you?
4: Oh, I was probably about eight years old, maybe nine years old, but you know, back then I had a 22 when I was seven. So things have changed a lot since, uh, you know, since I was a kid.
1: Yeah. I don't think there's very many seven-year-olds getting. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I, I we're, think, we're
0: probably part of that. Uh, we're part of that statistic. I have the
1: same 22 Savage that I've had since I was probably. Well, you know
0: how old I was when I started shooting trap. Eight. I was eight years old when I started shooting traps. I so guess I mean, that's true. I guess there's still. I know I had my
3: 22 before that.
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: No, no. Dave's definitely right. It's different times. I mean, I don't know that I that Macy at 13 go out with a gun now by herself and go run a trap line. I mean. And he was doing it at eight before school and after school, correct?
4: Do it, yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much during the weekends, mostly, you know, when I was, you know, eight, nine years old, because, you know, was just first, second, third grade. But yeah. And then later on, you know, you just packed your gun with you. And tra- you had your trap line in the morning and got on a school bus and just left your 22 on a school bus and went on to school. And when you got back on the bus, you went and run your line going back home with your 22.
1: So at. Eight years old, you had to teach yourself, I mean, and this is just from what I know about trapping, which is very little. I mean, you had to teach yourself snares and basically everything about it. And then you had to teach yourself how to skin them. Is this Uh, correct? Yeah.
4: I had an old friend of mine. He was an old fur buyer here in Hardin by the name of Ray Catron, and, and I'd take my fur. And the first time I ever took anything, I took I skinned it like you would a deer on a bobcat. And he said, op, you got to case skin them. And then he showed me how. And, and Ray lived to be 100 years old in a day. And I used to take him out on the river with me all the time. And, I mean, he was quite a guy. He, he ran away from home when he was a young man and ended up in Billings, Montana. with uh, When there was no sidewalks, it was either boardwalk or made of brick. And then he got himself a homestead, and uh, he said he fenced that up that winter. He said it went into winter with $17 and change, and come out of the winter with $7 and change. So he lived pretty much off the land. Right. And then he turned into an old government trapper and everything, and then he started buying fur, and that's where I met him.
3: He was born in 1893 and passed away in 1993. Wow. So he was here before roads, and I, I used to go over after school and— See him all the time at the nursing home. And When did he go in the nursing home? Like, what, 98 or 99? Uh, he
4: had just, just started turning 99. He burnt some bacon when he was cooking. He thought, ah, it's time for me not to be here by myself anymore.
1: <laughs> wow.
4: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so he was quite an old character. A lot of stories.
1: Yeah, that's someone great to learn stuff from. I mean, we kind of have, I'd say that that would be similar to how we feel about learning from you i would guess yeah
3: so you were just talking about a bobcat was that the first thing you ever caught or was that later on when you got professional at it or
4: no it was just a lucky thing i had set a trap and caught a bobcat now i think i was about 10 years old then and uh that was the first thing i ever caught
1: can you think to yourself to this day what the best year of trapping you've ever had
4: Oh, you know what? There have been some some good years and bad years. I suppose probably the one you think of the most is when the fur prices were high and the market was good. Uh, trapped 100, had 115 couts and uh, they averaged me $115. Mm. And that was probably the, yeah, that was the highlight of the whole thing.
3: Did you always trap alone or?
4: Uh, most of the time I'm trapped alone, but I've, you know, I've trapped with some old fellas, you know, that they couldn't get around. They was in their late seventies and early eighties and they could go with me when we had, you know, you could four wheel drive truck or something to get around, but then when the snow got deep, then they, they didn't go and it was either snow, snow machine or snowshoes. So yeah, I've been around quite a few of them old fellas. It was good to be around them too. You learned a lot, listened to a lot of stories.
3: And did you do most mostly uh, all land trapping, or river trapping, or uh, both? Or
4: we were doing land trapping, and then you know get on the river for your beaver and and mink and muskrats and uh, and a lot of coon too. So it's been a wild time on the trap line.
3: So so back back in the day before you had a snowmobile, you do everything just on foot then.
4: Uh, pretty much, yeah. Everything was on foot with four wheel drive pickup truck, and then uh, snowshoes when the snow got deep. You
3: ever use horses or anything like that? Uh, I
4: do. I had horses. I used them, but boy, they're a pain in the butt. <laughs> it's not. It's like the old mountain man. Uh, hey, they had a tough time when they had to deal with horses and everything, because you got to skin everything. I mean, you can throw a coyote or two on a horse, but you ain't going to pack much. Right.
3: So, what was your average trap line back, back, back when you were a young man?
4: Oh, probably about 150 miles. Oh, wow! My God. And I'm still doing almost 100 miles.
3: And what are you trapping out of these days?
4: Uh, doing coyotes and bobcats and. You,
3: you using still a foot or four wheel drive uh, pickup or?
4: I used four wheel drive pickup for a long time <clears throat> and a snow machine, and now we got these Ranger uh, Polaris Rangers, which work out really
3: great. So kind of, kind of came a whole revolution for you going from foot to air conditioning
1: and heaters and
4: yeah if i'd have had one of them back in the in the 70s man i'd have been in hog
1: heaven (laughs) i would say the revolution of uh the trapping world is a lot different in 2022 than uh it was 40 50 years ago
4: oh you know what not really rules have changed a little bit bobcats are no more predator they're fur-bearing less so you've got quotas on the number of bobcats you can trap so there
1: was a time that bobcats were counted like coyotes yes where you just you could just trap them as you if they were yep. there you could take them yeah wow i didn't know that see
3: the biggest thing with trapping correct me if i'm wrong trapper dave is a lot of the old time trappers didn't just go in to annihilate the population i mean even if there was 50 bobcats they won't catch the 50 bobcats out of an area because they always wanted to make sure they had crop for next year
4: Oh, yeah, you don't, you know, just go with it. It's just like beaver. I've taken, you know, best year I ever had on beaver was a little over 1,000 one winter. But it ain't, you know, I'm running. I'm doing the Yellowstone, I'm doing the Bighorn, doing the milk, even doing uh, Tongue River, Rosebud Creek. I mean, you cover a lot of ground. But, no, you're just taking so many, you know, per house, and that's it.
1: So would you ever, like, cap yourself anymore at, like, there's a certain amount of bobcats where you're like, yeah, i I don't need to do any more bobcats this it year. Just, it depends
4: on the terrain you're at and the number of cats you've got to work with. Yeah, so, because, you know, you got, I number them. I don't, you know, you just, you can't go in. If there's 30 cats, you don't go in and take 30. You might take 10.
1: Right. You when know? you're running 70,000 acres, I mean, oh, yeah. that's quite expansive compared to what a lot of people really get to, do, you know, get access to anymore.
0: I mean, even think about that camera. I mean, how many pictures of bobcats were there on that thing?
1: Oh, oh gosh. And mountain lions.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, and mountain lions. Yeah, we
4: get influx of mountain lions, and now we're starting to get bear in the area pretty good, too. They had five yeah. bear out there where, where I'd trap anyway.
3: We
1: shot, what, and, two this year? Yep. Yeah. Now, will a bear mess with a, with a snare or anything? Like, what, Like get into a bait and ruin it?
4: Uh, No, the traps are too on small to mm-hmm. hold a bear anyway, right. unless you're using a, you know, a bigger trap. but. No, and then the traps these days are, are way better than it was made back in the, in the 60s and 70s. They're just a, more of a smooth jaw, because when you get them caught it, catch them by a paw, all it does is cut the blood circulation off. So their they're, they're, uh, paw's numb. It's not like a, it's hurting them or anything. They just can't go anywhere.
3: Right. It just numbs them. So, so as far as traps goes, what's your favorite brand of trap?
4: Oh, heck, they're all pretty good i don't really have a favorite favorite brand but uh i like the, the old new houses were good you know but shoot they're so expensive now you can't afford to buy them but uh all the Montg- old montgomery's and then uh you got the bs traps the no bs traps they're probably the best on the market i mean i really like them and and there's a lot of other good traps i mean montgomery makes good tra- everybody makes good traps
3: so for someone getting into it at say 15 now well, what's the best advice you could give a kid getting into trapping?
4: Uh, right now, there's so much information going on. Like when I started, hey, there was a, maybe a couple little pamphlets about trapping, and it was always, you know, you had to work your tail off to do it, and you just had learned as you went. But now you can get on uh, YouTube. You can get on anything. I mean, there's so much information out there. A young guy can do daggone real good. by just, some ambition. The information is there.
1: Yeah, I find that crazy to think, like, See, I know trapping is a world from you guys, right? That's something that was introduced to me through people, right? And now you can get on, and I'm sure, Dave, you're not familiar with the, what TikTok is, but yeah. I'll tell you what it is anyway. It's like a YouTube in a way. Um, and there are so many young people that would be our age that are posting that there's a lot of young trappers out there. The, I would, I, that surprised me in a way because it's like, I feel like, and it might be different, the closer you are to places that you can yeah. trap. But I'd feel like that fathers don't pass down trapping as a technique anymore like like they do hunting.
4: I don't believe they do, no.
3: Well, I think the biggest thing is is it's a lot of work. I mean, you can ask Dave. I mean, it's not you just run out and you get to check some land out and you catch the critter and you take it home. I mean, that's a lot of work. You gotta boil traps, you gotta get What Dave calls wax dirt, which is just dirt with wax in it so it don't freeze in the wintertime. Then not only do you go out at six o'clock in the morning, you get back at dark, but then you gotta skin everything you caught for the day or unthought and skin it. Put it up and get ready to go out for the next day. I mean and I think that's the biggest problem is I don't think there's people with the ambition. Like Dave said, he started at what, eight or nine? Yeah. And it's in his blood now. I mean, he'd sell the farm tomorrow to the trap he's not ever going to stop trapping you know and for a young guy to go out and do that much effort and maybe catch a cow, may I mean there's several days that Dave goes out and comes back with nothing yeah, more days there's more days that you come out empty what you say it, than you come out successful well,
4: if you do 10% of what you got out you're doing you're doing real good
3: so numbers i mean i guess yeah. that's that's yeah. the biggest thing is numbers i mean if you're going to go out and set traps You set ten, you're gonna catch one.
1: And just for context, you just turned seventy, right? Seventy-one. Seventy-one. So yeah, I mean, you've been doing it for sixty. Oh yeah, sixty some years. That's that's sixty-three. Would be the math there, buddy. But it gets
4: in your blood; you can't get away from it. Well, that's good.
0: Which that's. I mean, that's the way hunting is for us. Yeah, and I'd say like and and now trapping because of you.
4: And I've been lucky. I'm on. I've been out on this uh, same ranch for the last forty-five years, so. You know, you get to
1: know the country pretty good. And- so you'd say you're doing what you've always wanted to do. Like you're okay. living the life that you wanted to live since you were born. Yep, pretty That's much. Good. Not a lot of people get to say that. No. Um, the only
3: difference is now he ain't shoveling four foot of snow to put his bedroll down. Now I guess to go back to a nice camp. And the only thing he has to worry about is getting that fire stove going, you know.
4: Yeah, there's a lot of nights I spent out at 10 and 15 below sleeping on the ground. You, but that's the way it was back then. All right. And you didn't think nothing about it. You just
3: did it. But camps so, are pretty nice. So as far as mentors or people that trapped with you, is there anyone you you trapped with a whole lot or that you had the best experiences with or the best partner
4: oh yeah i had a good partner dave Delcamp from over at custer we trapped the yellowstone and we and we trapped a lot of country and then i had guys like uh roger brower he was he was a good mentor and then bob grinsteiner he he did a lot of trap but i talked to him so much about trapping he started trapping he did he did pretty good too so yeah we've had a lot of, and we've had fur sales that uh you know, we had a first sale over at Custer one year that, you know, it was just going to be me and Dave and a couple other guys. Well, geez, we ended up with probably 30 or 40 trappers out there, and his yard was nothing but had we had pelts everywhere, and we even had buyers from Chicago come down. And how they found out we was doing this sale, I have no idea. But it was it was a good sale. We had a good time. Had a band. I mean, we had a regular holdout. <laughs> oh wow! Oh <laughs>
3: wow! Yeah, it's, it's the just a for just, sale, huh? It, well, and each person thought the other person invited them.
4: Yeah, I asked Dave, I said, God, I said, I thought that I was the only friend you had in life. He said, well, I thought you knew all of them. I said, I didn't know nothing but three of them. I said, I thought you knew them all. He said, I didn't know any of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I'd say like, That used to be a big deal. Even with, like, think about, like, coyote derbies and stuff and things that used to be crazy big like that. I remember going into, you could go to any bar in Montana and there'd be a picture on the wall of, like, a whole backside of a bar with, with coyote pelts on it or something like that. And I just, you just don't see that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just not a way of life. And, and coyote trapping, like, if there wasn't, it's, it's the most, Okay, obviously coyotes, like they, they have to be controlled because if they got out of hand, um, we, would, we wouldn't we would have pheasants, grouse, like nothing you'd be able to. No. And the easiest way to get the, and if you're a fur buyer, I mean, the best way to do it is, is through trapping. I mean, if you put bullet holes all over it, it's not really the most ideal way of, you know. No,
4: if you shoot them and stuff, you have to sew them back up. And it just degrades the pelt a little, you know, quite a bit too.
3: But, but, but as far as driving around and seeing coyotes, I mean, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get a herd knocked down by shooting them, mm-hmm. unless you're out of a helicopter. I mean, they're so canny. I mean, for every one you see in a the field, there's fifteen that you didn't see somewhere else.
4: And yeah. you got to understand too, if you want to catch a hundred coyotes, you only got ten coyotes in your area. Apparently, you ain't going to catch a hundred coyotes.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right.
4: You, <laughs> It's and the biggest thing
3: idea. for you is not only do you do it because it's a passion, but it helps out with your outfitting too, correct? Oh,
4: yeah. It keeps the coyotes down on the deer, pop, you know, from predation on the deer.
1: So it helps quite a bit. So we have to take a quick break. We're going to listen to a word from our sponsors. And when we get back, I think that a lot of people that listen to the podcast get really interested in stories and things you don't hear about. I think I'd love to hear some stories about some, you know, Trapping and some life. Tra- some, life tra- some trapping life stories that that are, uh, you know, what's the craziest thing you've seen out in trapping? And uh, do you have any stories of, like, getting... I mean, I don't know if you got lost, but if you got stranded or something like that, I'd like, I'd like to hear that when we get back. Absolutely. So, uh, we will be right back. Two Leggings Outfitters out of Hardin, Montana, is your one-stop shop for the best hunting and fishing adventures Montana has to offer. If you're looking for fishing adventures big game hunting, bird hunting, and much more, get a hold of Dave or Patty at Langans Outfitters, 406-665-2825. Book the adventure of a lifetime today. All right, Dave. What do you need to know? What is... Do you have any good trapping stories or where it just didn't go how you planned and you had to make a plan B c d and e yeah at the same time
4: <laughs> oh there's times but uh nothing really drastic i mean you get kind of stranded once in a while and you just gotta walk out
1: yeah don't you have a snowmobile story pretty recently
4: oh yeah running traps and uh i thought eh, something's not quite right with this machine and started headed back to camp finally got me a real camp and uh the clutch blew out of it and so it was about a three and a half mile walk back to camp Snow was deep. Started trying to do it with the snowshoes, but snow was over over knee deep, and that was soft snow. And unless you got a track already made, it's pretty tough. So I went back, got on my snow machine track, and followed in on it on to camp, which took me about three hours.
2: <laughs> Sounds awful. And I'm sure it wasn't warm out either.
4: No, it wasn't. But you warmed up when you're snowshoeing, trying to stay on track. So it wasn't too bad.
1: What is the? Uh the craziest thing you've stumbled across when you're walking up to a trap or to a snare or anything.
4: I'll oh, get you a mountain lion caught and he's hiding there. He can stand there and look at you and you wouldn't even know he's there. And then you got to turn him loose cuz you can't trap a mountain lion. So you got to put a snare around him and choke him down so you, you hopefully they're pretty much knocked out and then you can take trap off and loosen the snare and then get the heck away. It's wow, <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> it's not great, boys. You don't How many times to, have you done that? A couple times. Don't want to do it anymore.
1: Yeah.
2: So you're basically, of, you're fighting a, a mountain lion for a, a short amount of time until it passes out. Is that much, essentially? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> so it's it, it gets you. You're lucky like you don't away.
3: throw his coat over and
4: just <laughs> jump on
3: top of it. Well, little
0: Steve Irwin style. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You better hope you don't get caught in a snare, Sean. There you go. David, take care of you.
4: Yeah, I think so. I'll just choke you down, and turn you loose. <laughs>
1: So the nice thing about this interview is we have someone in here that kind of knows your life a little bit because he's your son. And he wanted to know, he'd like us to get to know about like your early 20s. So once you've been trapping for a little bit, uh, where did you spend your time doing in your early life? After high when, school. Basically when you were like Ramsey and Sean's age.
4: Oh, uh, I worked some construction and I cowboyed for two or three years for Soap Creek Cattle Company and Candy Cattle Company. So I could say, hey, I run cattle on the Bozeman Trail. For 30 miles or so so not oh, too wow. many people can say that anymore no definitely but back then everybody was horseback so each of us had you know six seven eight horses in a string and breakfast was three o'clock every morning and and you work cattle until about noon till it got hot and then you was pretty much done for the day
3: you should tell the story about cowboying up in the bighorns and the elk and the wildlife you had back Back in oh, the yeah. cowboys.
4: There in Soap Creek, I'd taken in the evenings after supper, <clears> I'd taken get the old Wrangle horse and ride up the foot of the mountains there and watch them elk come down out the mountain on what they call saw log. And I mean they'd string out for miles. I mean it was quite a sight seeing a string of might be a thousand head of daggone elk in that string. Right. But they're coming down off the feed and then go back up. Any big bulls or oh, anything like yeah. that? Monster bulls and cows, cows, you know, just you name it so you see quite a bit and there was quite a few bear around too we had a lot of a lot of black bear around had one uh, when they was putting grizzlies over in wyoming from the park we had them come over you know bighorn mountains in the in the montana side on the crow res and and uh went over to chase some bulls out of a pasture one day it was in the in a hayfield and come back and had an old, the ranch dog was an old airedale and we went through a place called deer creek it was just a crossing and Come back on the way back. The dog went to growling, and this bear stood up. And here it was a grizzly. And best horse ride I ever had, because that horse bucked halfway back to the ranch, and I was not getting off. <laughs> like, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> the bear was going one way, but the horse was headed in the direction we wanted to go.
1: How many years did you do that? Uh, I did it for three years. Three years.
4: Yeah, rode the Wolf Mountains mm-hmm. and the Bighorns, and it was it pretty pretty good adventure
3: you guys had to take all the cattle to the rail back then didn't yeah you?
4: back then we had the spear siding on the little horn river and we'd which you know take a thousand two thousand head of steers down there because they sold two-year-olds and put them on the railroad cars it was the old way of doing things still had bed wagons and cook wagons and the cooks always they cooked out of a little old wooden coal cook stove out of an old sheep herder's uh, camp and uh, we always had fresh bread Uh, everything we had even cookies they'd make pies for us we had everything those guys
3: could cook so these are the stories i grew up on there's the stories about the fresh pie and the three o'clock breakfast after angling horses and eggs and bacon so i go and work the same cattle ranch when i'm 14 we get up there and the gal's got this cast iron pot it must be like a 10 gallon goddamn pot and it's full of oatmeal Every morning it was the same thing. And I tell these other guys, I'm like, my dad talked about this bacon and eggs and fresh bread and pies. If we eat this, maybe she'll go make something else. So we put our heads down and we eat this whole pot. It took us like three days. The fourth day she comes out with another pot. Oh, you boys like that so much I made you another pot.
1: (laughs) Played yourself. Yeah.
4: Yeah, when I cowboyed, we never—I never knew what bought bread was. Everything was made fresh, and making two hundred bucks a month, boy, I will tell you what, you was rich because you didn't have no place to go with it.
1: Right. I bet you guys don't know uh, what fresh, like most people don't even know what <laughs> good homemade bread is anymore. Well, mom always made it. Yeah, but I mean, compared to that, I mean, shit, store bought and
3: and sliced already too. <laughs> um, but i mean that's like the old school bread like your dad would make in like the dutch oven i mean oh, yeah. it wasn't it and out of the bag i mean they were making the dough from scratch
4: and the in the hot cakes and stuff in the morning that was old sourdough that they've had for you know for years
3: making sourdough
4: hotcakes and sourdough biscuits and
1: yeah it was pretty good so is it was it easy to to be a cowboy because of the wintertime months, there was there's not a lot of moving cattle, so uh, was it easy for you to do? We
4: still moved cattle around. We didn't do much feeding. They had a regular crew that did the feeding and fencing <laughs> and stuff like that. We basically could just run, you know. We just so were you able cattle. to
1: trap then? Did yeah,
4: just I take did the some trapping around? in the you know,
1: yeah. So you haven't missed a, a year of trapping uh, since you started? Oh, no, nope,
3: nope. Sixty three years of never missing a year. Wow,
4: just got to do it.
1: Well, yeah, because you think about, you know, everything that goes on in the world, whether it's uh, inflation or this natural disaster or something like that. Anything could really knock you off or like just needing to have a job to, to live.
4: Oh, yeah. I worked with some old cowboys that, you know, during the Depression, if they got $10 a month, they were happy. They had a place to stay and they had food. They had something to eat. Right. But see, you boys will never never know what a nickel candy bar was or a nickel pop or a nickel popcorn. It don't exist anymore.
1: a like quarter quarter gallon of gas.
4: Yep. You used to go to the show house, cost you a dime to get in. You had 15 cents to spend, so you got a nickel popcorn, nickel pop, and a nickel candy bar for the movie.
0: Hell, even wow. anymore, there's no such thing as a dollar store.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I know, that really pissed him
0: off. Yeah. He's about ready to boycott him.
1: Because <laughs> it was Dollar $1.25 $1.
0: 25 now.
1: They have a regular dollar store and they do here.
0: Yep, yeah.
4: finally got one in here.
1: I thought uh, usually they put in those family dollars and they're like not even, they're not even a dollar store before all the inflation that happened. That's funny, Riley.
2: Because didn't you just say what did you spend on a, a pop and some popcorn at at the movie theater?
1: Oh yeah, Kelly. Well, we ended up just <clears throat> not buying it because it was it was twenty two twenty three dollars for two large pops and a popcorn at the movie theater the other night yeah 23 bucks it was more than it was almost more than the movie cost
3: so 63 years of running trap line, what's the best story you would have for bucks have you ever seen monster bucks running trap line or a group of them or
4: oh i've seen some some really big bucks uh, one time come around a corner there and I thought, holy cow, here's a big old five by five. I thought, geez, this guy's way over 40 inches. I thought, wow. Then I got further around and it was two bucks together and they must have been twins because one had a big blob on one side and good horns on the left side and the other one had a big blob on the left side and big horns on the right side. So it was two deer standing neck to neck. Mm. And from the distance where I was looking, I thought, man, this is the world class yeah. trophy. <laughs> but it wasn't, it was two of them
1: man could you imagine if you could have stuck a, a smartphone in dave's pocket 60 years ago no oh, i know the amount of hunting and fishing pictures you could have gotten yeah holy time could talk
3: have you ever had a magnificent like group at one time oh they've all been magnificent no no i'm talking about like group of deer and one with bucks or oh anything, or? i've
4: had one time we it was a day after hunting season and we were chasing cows and come on a big old ridge out there, and there was nine bucks down there. And they, I mean, they were monster bucks. I mean, there was ones that were palmated like moose. And I mean, it was just, it was the craziest thing i ever seen in my life. Just wish I could have had a camera to take a picture of them. Right. You know? But uh, always got the picture in my mind. I can always
1: see them. But it was crazy.
3: That'd be something to see, nine bucks <laughs> that palmated and kickers and trash. and
1: Yeah. Well, and I guess for the audience to know, a quarter of your life is trapping that's the biggest thing of your life the other part of it you're working all day long every day at 71 years old as a full-time outfitter yeah uh you own manage run two leggings outfitters in hard montana and uh i i think we'd like to even go back in time on that too like how did you where did you start on? what that? possessed you to do this yeah where did you get into that
4: Called American Sportsman boys. With, you probably never seen that show. Had Kurt Gaddy. Kurt Gaddy was my hero. I mean, it was an outfitting show all the time, and hunters. You know, they always had some good hunters. And
3: so it must be like um, Eastman's for us. Yep,
4: it was before Eastman. I mean, it was a good show, and I always wanted to do that. And hey, it happened. Kind of life lived a life of a dream.
3: Did a lot of people support you in starting this because you, you you were one of the first outfitters on the. First group outfitters on the Big Horn. No, there were
4: still quite a few outfitters on the Big Horn, but uh, no, I got started you know, I think about eighty three, eighty four. The river was closed there for years, and then I just run trap line and, and then uh, got talked into doing it with one of the wardens at the uh, in Billings, the old Captain Dennis Haggison. He said, "Man, he's why ain't you outfitting?" He said, "You do do everything else, and you help us on everything." And I thought, "Well, yeah, why not? Give her a try." And it started then and have never quit since. And I probably won't quit until they put me in the ground.
1: Right. So you started in 83. So in that gap of when you were cowboying, whatever, you're carpentry and const- construction, right? You know, yeah, he um, was
3: one of the biggest names for log homes back in the day. I mean, he was sought after for log homes. Yeah,
1: we
4: did quite a few log houses and stuff.
1: Um, were you... Sp- your, before your trapping season, were you just as much of an outdoorsman as a, a okay. hunter and everything like that? Or was it just a way of life? No, it was just a way of life. It's always been outdoors. Cause I'd say like, as someone this uh, of my age, um, it seemed to me like when you were growing up, it was like the, the pinnacle of being able to be a hunter was to be able to, to guide, right. To be able to take people out and show them your skill. And that's what it was for me. That's why it became a dream of mine to get to this point, to be able to work for you was like, it just seemed like the pinnacle of being a hunter was being a guide
4: well it's yeah. kind of a freedom that nobody else knows you can't you know you well can't the biggest
3: it. thing is i mean if you look in the wall which we'll have a video at the end here for people on youtube to see but the deer in the center dave shot 29 years ago on the deer on the far left he shot two years ago which was 27 years between them two deer mm-hmm. before he pulled the trigger
4: well i always had hunt, guys that you know hunters that I mean, they left always left a lot of deer meat, so what the heck would I want to shoot a deer for? Right. And I could have shot some trophies. But just, you know, you're still dead. Didn't need to. And if you want to get a good deer, he's got to be five, six years old. to right, get huh. a good buck. So the ranch we've hunted on, I mean, we've been able to manage it uh, our way. And, uh, you know, we take so many deer off the place, and uh, that way we always manage you know, to get good mature bucks that are five, six years old
3: and the the cool thing about it is the ranch that he runs his outfitting business on he's actually has been on the ranch longer than the owner on the ranch himself the 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 owners have been there but they had another ranch back back in the day and D- dave ran that one trapping and a guy named Carcy mitchell ran yep. that trip
4: Old carsey run it and then uh harry and his wife they built a house over there and put a bridge across the bighorn river between the ranch and- from the ranch house to to the camp that we built, uh, you know, it's one of their, uh, you know, houses that they've got out there for the for the cowboys and stuff. And when they run, so and it's 15 miles from there, so they let me use the cabin and what I needed, and I trap out of it and everything, and which is pretty nice. You got a nice warm stove in there. And got our, in an old uh, well there that's uh, hot water. It's an old artesian well, and water comes out of the ground about 103 degrees year round. So we just pipe it into the cabin when we need it and got a hot shower and everything and not the heat water for dishes or anything you you got hot water right there
1: right um so i people are gonna want to know because there's not a lot of many there's not very many people that got get to spend their whole hunting season out in the woods um matt kind of touched on it a little bit but can you think of was there that buck or bull ever that you were just like wow, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Like, no one's ever seen this. This is the biggest animal I've ever seen.
4: Oh, there's been times, yeah. Then you know, it's just like calling elk. I've called some bulls in that, man, you know what? Maybe someday I might let an arrow go during archery season. But then big guys come in there, and they're standing 10 yards from you. And, you know, you look at them, and they're looking at you and kind of gawking at you a little bit. And like, bah, ain't going to do it. <laughs> right.
3: the, the only time I've ever seen Trapper Dave excited is we had a – out uh client out here jim mazzarelli and uh, he had a video he had the exact replica replica of the world record whitetail we're on the north end of the ranch and we're driving and here's this whitetail ridgeline dave's like god damn it i've seen that deer somewhere and i mean he's racking i mean he's <laughs> waiting for it to come down the hill so he can shoot it and finally it goes up over the top and dave didn't take the shot because it was skylined we got down to like, that's the deer that was on that goddamn video. That's that replica of the real record uh, whitetail. And that it was is just a true typical story.
4: whitetail. I mean, it was just a humongous whitetail.
3: But he came home and loaded seven mag shells inside that seven mag in that morning. <laughs> that next morning, he was out there. He spent the whole week, the last week of hunting season, trying to find that big old buck. And that's the most excited I've ever seen him for himself. A monster. Did you ever see him again?
4: I, no, I didn't. If I would have, would I have shot him? Probably not. <laughs> Some of those things are just, uh, you know, a monarch. You just don't – I just don't
0: – You know, and, shoot them. and we've talked about that before. Like, me and Sean have been in that moment where you just see something and you forget you're even holding a gun or a bow. Like, you just – there's such a beauty about it that you just – Yeah, just – Have to appreciate it for what it is.
2: Yeah. Did you always have that, like, growing up in the outdoors and, and, and hunting and all that, or did it, did you kind of just – as you aged that became a
4: uh never really you know everybody wants to shoot a trophy everybody wants to shoot the world record but the world records are all shot by accident those guys that get them don't even know they got them (laughs) and i've seen some stuff that yeah i you know you'd really think wow i've shot some 30 plus inch bucks and stuff but uh nah it's just more or less you know you kind of like to see them and just kind of like to honor them the way they are
1: so what drives you more anymore is it the the being able to bring use your skills and your talent to bring people um, to harvest animals, or is it just being out there?
4: Uh, a little of both. Yeah, you know what? Really, I'm the hunter. They're the, they're just pulling the trigger, right? But they're getting you know we're getting nice big animals for them and everything mature animals. So
3: it's actually yeah. a lot of fun watching people that yeah. come in and watch them go.
4: It's more fun like doing it for them and with them than it is it doing it yourself these ways that's how, how i enjoy it
3: well i think we are gonna have to take a break here shortly but uh i think when we come back to recap on some of our old stuff on scary stories oh. from the ranch, oh or, or <laughs> we
2: gotta hear
1: scary dave's story. scary stories Ooh, yeah i like that i like that a lot okay i only yeah. have a couple <laughs> well then when we, when we come right back we'll do that
0: sounds good see you in a minute i just wanted to take a moment of your time to talk to you about one of our sponsors H contracting and fence located in billings montana if you're looking to spruce up your yard or want a little more privacy for them summer backyard barbecues, or maybe you just need part of your fence repaired, contact our friends at FNH Contracting and Fence by texting 406-661-7484. From front yards to farmyards and even chain link to vinyl, they've got you covered. Now back to the action. Welcome back. We got a pretty good section coming on. Probably one of my favorite sections of all of the podcasts we do. It's going to get spooky in I'm, here. Yeah, I'm. I'm big on. Why, scary why stories. do we have
1: this thing where we just love to tell spooky stories? We that did are probably that a camp half bullshit I,
2: that for an entire what two was it two hours at camp and we we're all oh, laying at in bed. Least, yeah, yeah, we were just telling scary stories. Scary well, you,
0: stories and and how Matt's lost seven of his nine lives is pretty much <laughs> the stories that we've told.
1: Well, it's like but, it, it goes right along the lines of the. What we love to talk about, shit that you would tell your buddies around the
0: campfire. Well, that and, like, yeah, like you say, I mean, ghost stories around the campfire, that's that's as cliche as it gets. I mean, you get a bunch of guys that hunt together talking about scary hunting stories. It's the same thing.
1: This goes back to Dylan, right? Mm -hmm. This was his podcast, Scary Stories with Dylan Miller, where we told the story of, well, I'll give a little summary since we've already told it on here. But uh, just an example. Oh, so hang Dave,
0: on for about 15 minutes.
1: <laughs> just a little bit of an example of a story so Dave knows what to tell here on his end. So we were out at the ranch two or three years ago. And uh, it was Matt and Dave, or not Matt, Dave, Matt and Corey and me and Ramsey. And we went up top above camp on the, what they call the old Ford. And uh, we split up, which is our Matt and I's strategy of not having to deal with Ramsey and Corey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we just kept going to this one uh, big honey ridge. Hole. It was a honey hole. There's always elk in it. And uh, the night before, I mean, we were standing in the middle of like 30 bulls just going bonkers. So we went back there, and in a matter of 24 hours, it went from Bulls going crazy, and I mean, and there was birds and just wildlife galore down in there. Yeah. To the next night going in there, and there wasn't a single sound. Not not even the chirp of a bird. It was zero sound. Just
3: Larry, like, just did still.
1: And it's at the time of night where, like, the sun is, like, right on the edge of the horizon, so it's starting to get, like, that low-light feel. Dusk. And so we're like, uh, yeah, let's... uh. Let's 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 leave. Let's go somewhere else. And so Matt and I bounced, and I couldn't get a hold of Ramsey because <clears throat> I guess in my my head first I was like, oh, there's got to be like a cat in here or something, right? That pushed something out or so, a human. So
0: meanwhile, you had texted me at this point. My phone is at like seven <laughs> percent. I open this text, and 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 all of, all it says is weird shit going on. Watch your back.
1: I told you to keep your back to the trees. Yeah,
0: or, keep your back to the trees or whatever. Phone dies. I'm like, oh, cool.
1: The funniest part of the story is like,
0: Corey was that we didn't even tell the first time is how Matt,
1: Matt and I didn't even go look for you at first. We just went and looked for elk in a different canyon. We did. <laughs>
3: we went like five miles across the property, which was a mistake a because spot.
1: this is where we pulled up to this. We pulled up to this giant valley that we always go to check. I can't remember if it was this time or another time we we saw a spike or something down the bottom or we may have not seen anything still, and we're sitting there and all of a sudden this loud noise goes off, <clears throat> and it was like the, it filled the whole canyon up from the bottom of the canyon, and we just couldn't figure it out. And Matt's like, "Is that a, a gong or what is that noise?" It just sounded like someone was taking a massive the, ma- the gong
3: from Hoo-Hut.
0: Yeah. That, that's
3: exactly what <laughs> honest to God it sounded like
1: was the gong from him. And it happened like three times in the three span times, of yep. 10 minutes. And so we, we bounced out of there and we're just like, this is just, mm. this is not normal. And uh, we couldn't get a hold of you, so we were kind of freaking out. And That is dark now. It was dark, dark. But then it was weird. The weirdest thing of it all is as we bounce out of there, here's all the elk in the dark uh, just running all over the top of the flats up there just from jumping out of every coulee ended up seeing but
3: they're on a, all on a dead run
1: yeah all of them like before we even get to them they're just all running across the the the, the fields all the field flats up there and uh with the suede. somehow Swedes. you guys were smart enough that when we got to you you were you were where we wanted you to be in the dark but
0: well you know i wasn't that freaked out but I also had to deal with Corey chasing after, like, a, a beef cow, <laughs> thinking it was an elk.
3: <laughs> I hear him. He's coming up the trail.
0: <laughs> and, like, I don't know how he didn't notice it, because, like, if you looked, like, 300 yards out, there was, like, cows everywhere.
3: He's like, oh, no, it's a bull. And I'm like, okay. So, Dave, why don't you tell us your scary story?
4: Well, I got. in the year. I don't remember the year. It was back in the. Late 70s, early 80s, had an old red bone hound called Blue. Yeah, a red bone hound called Blue. An old, old <laughs> trapping buddy gave me. Anyway, it was at the Lee camp, my other camps I had when I was trapping, and kept hearing these weird noises at night, you know, and dog would get up and turn him loose, and he'd be gone for three or four hours, then he'd come back, scratch on the door, and open the door, and he'd just hightail it right through the deck on the door and go back to the room and just lay down and sit there and shake. And i thought, like, what the heck? never thought too much about it. And I had my old buddy, Roger Brower, he come out and spent a couple of days with me. <clears throat> and he's the kind of guy that, hey, he would follow a coyote into a den and sleep with him all night and then skin him the next morning. He would, Roger was that kind of a mountain man. And anyway, we heard that thing one night and uh, turned dog loose. Dog took off, gone a couple three hours, come back, <clears throat> whining at the door and Opened the door and the dog just shot right past us and right to underneath the bed and sat there and shook and I thought, what the heck? I said Roger, I said, what the heck is this thing? And he said, heck, he said, I'd never heard nothing like that before, and it was a weird sound. It kind of sounded like a, a like an old turtle or something, you know, when they're groaning. And uh, a couple hours later, dog wants back out, and hears it again, and turns the dog loose. And it's a moonlit night, so we thought, well, heck, snow's deep, we're on snow machines anyway, and thought, hey, let's go find out what the heck this is. And so we chase it and finally end up losing the dog, never found a track or anything. And we went back to camp, and uh, Roger walks by. We we're going to go to bed that then, and he walks by the table and grabs his thirty-eight and sticks it underneath his daggone pillow. And I'm looking at Roger, and I said, what the heck? He said, I had never heard nothing like that before, and I don't know what it is. Of course, the dog's gone. <laughs> the dog come back early the next morning, but uh, we never did find out what it was. Yeah. It was kind of a weird deal. And I never heard that thing for about 15 years until we was on the Pocket Creek Ranch and sleeping there at camp and had some guys, some old friends of mine, and they we heard it. And I they said, what is that? And I said, I haven't heard that that on noise in probably 15 years. And they said, you got to go check it out? I said, no, but if you want to go find out what it is, you go right ahead. Yeah. And they, they said, "Nah, we're not going out either. And I haven't heard it since. And that's probably been about eight years. But what it was, I have no idea.
2: My. Just It was just in the trees, it wasn't...
4: We don't know. You have don't know? no idea. And the snow was deep. I mean, we were running the snow machines that winter. It was in January.
2: And you said you, there was no tracks of any kind. Never
4: found anything what, what it could have been. I have no idea. To this day, I have no idea.
3: That's
2: wow,
1: wild.
3: Wow.
1: <laughs> kind of spooky. That is a good spooky. That is. Um, I would say that we need to get a little bit more information on your trapping life before we end the episode here. <clears throat> so run us through how you got to, you know, you you were asked to do it, right? How did you come up with the the whole business? Like it,
3: you didn't do it. Your you business know. and the name and.
4: Oh, Two Leggings Outfitters. Uh, we're, we're right here at the Two Leggings diversion Dam. And Chief 2 Leggins was the one that got all this thing started. He got the, the uh, canal ditch built and everything. And uh, so I just stayed with 2 And there's a book out about Chief 2 Leggins and it's called Making of a Warrior, and it'll really explain his life. But I've always kept it that way, and uh, there were Two-Leggings outfitters. I just, I'll just honor him because he did a lot for, you know, the Crow Tribe and, and for the Bighorn County.
1: Hmm. Wow. I've always been curious, like you guys do, you go all out for your clients. You cook for them, you house them and stuff. And I don't know if it's just a disconnect in generations or my family or whatever, but I cannot cook like you two can. Did you learn all of the good cooking and stuff before you became an outfit or is it something you've developed over the years? Oh,
4: we've just developed over the years. But you know, when you're in a cow camp, if you want to eat good, you better fix it yourself and make it good. Otherwise, uh, you can eat hot dogs.
1: Right. Um, What did you when you were first starting out? Because like now, I'm assuming that you've developed such a a good you know routine and how you do things. Like, what were you guys eating when you first started? And uh, like what uh, what was your day to day look like when you first started?
4: Oh, we.
3: You done a lot of motels and. Yeah, we, restaurants, right?
4: Yeah, we did a lot of motels, restaurants, and and this, you know, the clients can stay here with me if they want to, and if they don't, you know, and eat what we eat and everything, just like a family style dinner, like you, you know, like a thrashing crew, but or else they can go to a motel and eat out of a, a restaurant if they want to. It's all up to them, because it's no, it, I mean, it's not a motel or anything. It's just a guest deal. If they like to stay with us, that's fine, and, and if not, they can they can stay wherever they want. But uh, it's a lot nicer when they stay here with us and they enjoy it. And we can sit and visit in the evenings and everything. So right, more it's complimentary.
3: And the biggest thing, like when he built this addition on, that's why he made this room so big is, that was our biggest complaint. Like we used to have big groups that came in as six, eight, 10 guys, trying to get 10, 12 guys in a motel room to bullshit or out in the parking lot in November is cold. So a lot of people opt to stay here, which is the same price whether you stay here or not. You know, but you're just just a guest of the
4: complimentary thing. If they like to, you know, if they want to stay here and visit with us and everything, that's great. But if they want to go, you know, to a motel or something, that's that's all right too. I don't push either either way.
1: And if you had it your way, you stay at camp all the time. Oh
4: yeah, (laughs) camp's good.
1: It's pretty nice. <laughs> you don't
3: eat as good out there, though. I mean, you you eat phenomenal, but nothing. You don't have the salads well, not and appetizers.
1: As, here, it's like you're getting served by like a five star restaurant. It there, is. it's super good food. It's just it's like a three. It's like you're at camp, like yeah. you're camping. But we still eat good. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: I don't uh, know that I've ever gone hungry even
1: close but still the did.
3: eggs at camp and the eggs here are still you can't beat the eggs no out of all the food it's the eggs i think for me
1: yeah that was like sean's biggest recollection of like the one or two times or the one time you've been here i've been here a few times a few times yeah was dave's eggs oh yeah frying grease
4: man
0: <laughs> I it's just do you have us you have a different touch well
4: of course
3: it's it's unreal so what do you do in your off time then
4: there is no off time we know
1: that's <laughs> true <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well what is a what does a year look like for you when when you stop when when uh, r- rifle season stops what are you doing next
4: uh, next as soon as we're done I might do a trip or two bird uh, you know waterfowl and and then I just start setting steel it's just what what to do
1: and then after uh um after trapping you're headed into spring turkey yep you guys do spring turkey do a and lot of turkey a summer full of fishing and oh, prairie dog hunt.
4: yeah we do some prairie dog shoots too so ranchers around here invites hey if you got if they don't want to fish that day well heck come bring them on out and let them shoot some prairie dogs which they're glad to, that we do that too
1: is there a is there a favorite uh season of guiding that you like to do like you know what thing
4: there's no favorite. They're all favorite.
1: They're all favorite. I'll enjoy it's, the whole thing. I like that.
4: So there's never a dull moment around here.
0: No, not even <laughs> close. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you're not guiding, you're onto the honeydew list.
3: Oh, yeah. Fixing he gets it. up to the lake once in a while, though. He
1: does. He does. Oh, yeah, yeah we, we get went up over the, the fourth.
4: Do a little fishing.
1: Yeah, the only rest you get is when you're sleeping. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Otherwise, you're you know, moving all days. three days. hours a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> long yeah. days,
4: short nights, and that's the way it goes all the way year, all year round.
1: Well, it's good for you. That's it's so worst during before.
3: hunting season, though. The, I think the hardest hunt you have is probably spring turkey, huh? Well, we as used far to, as hours go,
4: because we used to take and leave here about three o'clock in the morning and. If they didn't get their turkey in the morning, we well, shoot you there until the e- uh, evening, you know. And by the time you get back here, it's nine thirty, ten o'clock, and eat supper and back up at 3. So we just we just stay out of camp. And the same thing with archery hunters.
3: Yeah, yeah. I remember we had some clients. We were eating dinner like at eleven thirty at night, and they're like, it's like one thirty at home right now. Why am I eating dinner, <laughs> you know?
4: <laughs> I say long days, short nights. I don't
3: know. I don't arch- know archery season sometimes
0: great because – you go out in the morning, early morning, and then you come back and you sleep till three o'clock in the afternoon.
4: <laughs> yeah, you actually get a nap during archery season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No but, sense in being out there with. But the a pole. only
3: difference is, I mean, I don't see there being much difference between archery elk hunting or archery deer hunting versus turkey. It's just a different just, sized uh, animal. Right. You know, you're still calling them in. But, you know, when we first done the turkey hunt, these guys were like, I don't know if we'll do this again. After about the second day, they're like, "We're doing another turkey hunt." <laughs> like, well, we have to. Absolutely. We done the first annual turkey hunt. We have to have the second turkey hunt now. But oh, definitely. But they fell in love with turkey hunting.
1: Well, and it was just that style of it. Because it's just kind of like anything else when you grow up, and the only thing you know is like run and gun, run and gun, and take yeah. them down. But you know, like especially after like they when I took when I went out with those two guys from Alabama, it was just like. You, we worked super hard to get it done, you know, fanning them in, calling. It was hours and hours of like down in the bottom of a canyon, and that was like that was that was fun. That was awesome. That's like as good as close as you can get to calling in a bull, I would say. Oh, heck yeah!
4: Well, you did, I did good that morning, and you did good that afternoon. Yeah, we double teamed, (laughs) we double teamed, but they got their turkeys and, and they were they were done happy and headed back to Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah, that's a wild trip. They came, uh. They, drove, they huh? drove one day, hunted one day, and then drove home.
4: Yep. Wow. They said if they got their turkey, they was going to leave the, the next day or that day. If they got them in the morning, they'd leave that afternoon, but they didn't until next morning.
1: Yeah, so developing the the company over all of the years, you've probably had some pretty crazy clients that you probably met some pretty interesting people. I would oh, assume. I've met a lot of interesting people. Probably some celebrities out there. Oh, not oh, yeah. really.
4: Everybody's a celebrity, but not really.
1: Right. Um, do you ever like think back to a hunt with a client that was just like your, not your favorite, but just a, one of the better times you've had guiding or uh, all, all pretty special? You
4: know, out of all these years, I maybe had two people that, uh, uh, would never invite them back. They were just kind of knotheads, right?
1: but, uh, pretty much everybody listens and they had to, you've had good experiences. Yeah.
4: I, you know, hear a lot of stories with other outfitters, you know, that have bad experience with people, but I've only had a couple through all these years. Other than that, no, it's been great.
1: Well and Matt's Good kinda people. touched on it with us where like a lot of your clients are return clients. Oh yeah. You've probably developed friendships more than anything. Oh I've family. Got,
4: yeah. I've got clients who've been with me for twenty five years.
1: Yeah, we've and we've got to meet some of them. Like uh last year we went and rescued off rescued you off the uh off the ranch. You were, the machine with, broke down and we gotta meet with uh, Bill Drury. he's yeah, us. We yeah. gotta meet him. He's a character we've always heard about. So
3: that was cool. <laughs> Alan Taylor's been with us for shit i don't know what did he say 20 years
1: yeah i was busy for a long time him and his family at the
3: podcast but yeah. but we had him on the podcast oh you he, do yeah he came on when you guys done the turkey hunt
1: oh okay and that's why
3: he was late for dinner that night because oh, our one hour podcast turned into three hours but it was phenomenal <laughs> yeah, that
1: was a good yeah. one that was a good one
3: and he'll be on again come november
4: <laughs> ah so maybe we'll do this out there at camp, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Good. A, That's so good.
0: fun to do it at camp. That would be great. You got the big table out there.
4: Got, got generator running. We got power. <laughs> so it'd be good.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: What do you guys got? Any more questions for Dave as far as outfitting? Just. Have you seen a lot of... I think we left Ramsey and Sean yeah. at home this week. They are yeah, they are quiet. It. I guess I'm just listening do our own
2: to what Dave's right? got to say. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty. Just,
1: it's pretty stoic, almost,
2: huh?
0: Yeah, it is. Creating history, right? Well, documenting
3: history, right here. Absolutely. So, so as far as podcasts go, Dad, this is the reason I wanted to do this. Is when we sat in the boat, what four years ago or three years ago, and I found the interview with Ray Katrin and yeah. we were able to listen to Ray's voice thirty years after he's been gone. Yeah, or twenty five and uh that was the reason i wanted to do this podcast was to have you and different people and i wish Dell camp was still around yep and Steiner and i mean we could have an epic i mean we could have this going for three weeks as every day a podcast well, but I could just tell you stories,
4: stories. <laughs> more stories than ever once i was trapped over on the rosebud with old carl Whitaker, we went down to a big old canyon and there was an old log house that the roof was gone some of the walls were still up and and it was, you know, full of God dang holes. I told old, I said, what the heck use you, this place for target practice? He said, I'm glad you noticed that. I knew you would. And I said, well, what, what's the deal here, Carl? He says, dig out some of that lead because it's, you know, the wood's rotten. Dug it out and looked at it. Said, what? He said, what do you think those cartridges are? I said, they look like 4440 cartridges, you know, the old lead. He said, you're right. I said, well, what's the deal here? He said, well, Butch Cassidy and Sundance was still running the country. He said they, him, and some guys were holed up in this cabin, and a marshal out of Miles City found out that they were hiding here. And he said they sent a posse down there to get them, and he said they had one heck of a shootout. And nobody got hurt, nobody got shot, and they got away.
2: Wow, wow!
4: <laughs> quite some old stories. Yeah,
1: I've got a question for you. Sure. So you, you've been working with your dad for my a ma- whole life, a majority of your life what's it been like so like i work for my dad so i know i know the the good times most of the good times and most of whatever what's it been like you dave to have your son guiding with you been good forever yeah always count on him. anyway
3: started guiding when i was 18 bird hunting and yep and i always wanted to do big game and dave always kept telling me you're not ready for this yet my grandma had a heart attack so i was ready whether i wanted to be or not and be damned if it wasn't their fourth day and we had three deer to shoot and he's like just go out to the ranch and at least just drive him around and we shot all three deer that day and from there on i was a big game hunter yeah
4: throwed them in my we had an old vehicle called uh, metropolitan it was ford's first version of a suburban but
3: the window didn't roll down.
4: <laughs> the back window didn't roll down so they shoved him through the door well by the time they got him back that night they were stiff and, I mean, I thought we was going to have to cut them up to get them out of the daggone vehicle, but we finally got them out. But it was, it was a rough deal. Matt comes in. I said, he's kind of hanging his head. I said, uh, not a good day. He said, well, he said, yeah, we got, got got some. Go out there, and they got all three nice big old bucks car to get the horns through the door. We had to crank them and turn them sideways. And I don't know how. Well, they got them in because they was limp then, but yeah. now when they got back here. So that made him a guide.
3: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's just uh everything goes good till you guys this Rangers break down and oh. it turns into oh, a bad shit. Here we go. But
4: we got new ones now, they uh, gotta break down and and I you know, I got Riley helping me, so I got a mechanic on, on the on the road with me all the time now. On, on the yeah. twenty should have heard painful. Matt. <laughs> should
0: have heard Matt the other day. Uh-huh. So we're driving around and, and the radio's not working. He's cussing. He's, he's like, these I didn't Rangers. know Alan screwed no, me. No, no, no,
1: no. This is on your Ranger, too. Oh, on my mm-hmm. Ranger. I don't even listen to the radio.
0: And the, the radio wasn't working. No shit, you don't. And it's the 22. It's the newest one. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Something must have come unplugged. He's cussing these Rangers back and forth. And they say, oh, you paid 32 grand for them. It don't even work. Alan had taken the fuse out of the radio and put it in because he had turned the wrong light bar on and it killed all the oh, lights. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs>
1: Did you notice that I cut the wire, so it doesn't do that no more? You oh, probably,
0: I didn't know you cut the wires.
1: Yeah, I probably, probably do not even.
4: You wrecked my
1: wires? Oh, I cut them. Oh, good. They're all cut. That won't happen <laughs> again. We were supposed to bring out. A, we were just going to steal one of the ones Matt bought for him. Yeah, that uh, kind of circles
0: back to the fact that we were running two hours late today, and we didn't have time yeah, to stop at yeah. the shop. So.
4: It's kind of like you know, if you're ten minutes early, you're already ten minutes late.
1: Yeah
0: don't look Son. at me <laughs> oh we're all looking at you buddy
1: that was a, that was a saying our football coach would always say if you're not 15 you're, minutes early you
0: if you're 15 minutes early you're 10 minutes late
1: yeah 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 it goes both ways so earlier in the podcast we we talked about um how long had it had been since he had shot his deer.
3: 27 years
1: 27 years you haven't pulled we have would you even bring the crosshairs up on a deer in 27 years oh yeah but i just never pulled trigger can you tell us the story? I don't even think I've even heard the story of of the, man, you shot a, let's just say it's a, a typical four with like. Non-typical. It's a non-typical deer with a four point frame with and like.
0: And just goofy stuff. 12
1: kickers off of it. It's got two double kickers, which is super. I say it's super rare, but I've seen it at your ranch multiple times. It's oh, going to be oh, a yeah. genetic thing or a management thing. I don't know.
3: If you go through our our book over the last twenty years of pictures taken off that ranch, you can see the the genes all the way through. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I believe it. That because,
3: but it's um, also because Dave manages that ranch so damn well that.
1: Yeah, we
4: shot a buck up there one year that uh, had drop tines on it, and the canyon every this canyon just seems to produce drop tine bucks. Pretty everything we shoot's got at least one
3: drop or two drops on it so they shot that drop time he's talking about (laughs) typical four identical one foot drops on each side identical spacing it's almost like a typical they finally get that buck down bottom of the canyon and the guy decides he wants to do a full mount so they had to drag that thing up whole
4: but everybody got together there were six of us then we get up there god dang and then the taxidermist that's with these boys all the time, he shoots a buck down the canyon. What's he do? He capes it out right there. He's got it done in less than 35 minutes. And we just pack the the meat out. But he's got the cape and head and everything. i what like, what? Why didn't you do that down yeah, there? no kidding. He's like, well, there were six of us then. <laughs> yeah.
1: Fair <laughs> point.
3: It's kind of like my barrier. I was like, well, I got two guys that want to compete. So why are we going to drag it out?
1: Yeah, did Matt tell you about that? No. Those two. Well, you know where it was shot, right? Yeah. Down in a shithole. Oh yeah, which you always tell us not to do.
4: You just gotta have a lot of rope.
1: Well, luckily this day we had Sean and Ramsey because Ramsey just decided to throw it on his shoulders and would go like I don't know
0: 150. Well, on the on the less steep part it is about 100 yards.
1: You go like 100 yards and he drop it, then Sean would throw. It Sean's
3: already yard. back at the ranger to get the rope to take down to this so we can drag it up. All of a sudden, Sean's like sprinting down the hill he's like god damn it he ain't gonna be the only one to drag that up the hill <laughs> so he throws it over his shoulders and he goes another 75 yards next thing we know we just had to grab it and throw it in the ranger it worked out pretty damn good
4: except you the, lucky, the you're po- lucky to even have a back because that was you know that was, you know, a bare weight couple of pounds but no monster but it was a nice
0: big it's one. just like throwing shawnee boy over my shoulders here <laughs> and
2: the funniest part was was I think by the time Matt got the the rope set up for the Ranger, Ramsey and I had already gotten into the bottom of that hill, and Dylan's already up there, oh grabs God. a rope from you, and is in a dead sprint going, I mean, that's a steep hill. I watched his feet go out in front of him, and he dropped straight backwards, smacked <laughs> his head off the snow, and slid down the hill about 10 yards. Got right back up, came sprinting again, fell f- head first this time. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: The old farm kid can't kill him. No, oh yeah, <clears throat> that was a good time. That was a good time.
1: Well, yeah. So what's what's this? What's the hunting story on that on that buck?
4: uh you know what? Wasn't even uh, we the guys I had with me they'd already bagged out and everything, and we we're just driving around, kind of looking around country around it. And I come up over the snow that night, and come up over the hill there, and on a ridge, and look down there. That like, holy cow! Take a look at that buck. I said, man, I ain't killed a deer in twenty seven years, but. That was pretty interesting. And before I could even have it, those guys already had my gun out. They like, Get, you're going to shoot that one. Because they was going to do a deal for chronic wasting on the other ranch anyway. And they said, hell, if he crosses, they're, they're going to shoot him anyway. Nobody going to. So I ended up shooting him. So I got him mounted. Those boys were happy. Hell, I was happy.
1: He's a cool deer. That's for sure.
3: And I actually seen him the week before with Bob. Yeah, I remember you sent us all yeah. a picture of yeah. it.
1: Really? Yeah. I never saw the before. Yep. Pictures. Yeah, that's always one of my favorite things to do. Is yeah,
0: it's it's like standing right next to a tree. Yep, yep. Down in a little yep. uh, ditch. Yeah, I remember you mm-hmm. sent that picture to me. That's why, like, I get so
1: I get so like excited to do cameras. Like, okay, for most people, I feel like cameras is just a strategy to um,
0: to know what's there.
1: To know what's there. For me, it's like I like seeing these these animals that we're going to keep seeing, and then so like Matt found a shed this year. It was from it's from a bull that we kept catching on the camera. It was also the same bull that I saw three or four times guiding this year. Like, that kind of stuff gets mm-hmm. me. I I like that. It's cool. But uh, I think we're just... Are you going to cut me off here? Yeah. You're cutting me off? Yeah. Because this is a part 2 is Or three.
3: We're not sure yet.
1: This is our first part two. We're cutting off in the middle of the podcast, and we're not going to see you guys next... No, we'll see you next time, but it'll be the same... Same guys, same crew, mm-hmm. same room. And we're going to get some more stories out of Mr. Dave Shaw. Don't
0: worry. There's plenty left.
1: There is a lot <laughs> left. We haven't even we haven't even touched.
3: I don't even think we've hit his 40s yet. No, we're at like 23 or 26. We did maybe. some bouncing around, though. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's been fun, though. But, uh, yeah, so we'll catch you on the next one. Make sure to catch part two when it comes out. See ya. See ya. Right.
0: Later. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bull Mountain Brothers.
2: Hey, if you're looking for more Bull Mountain Brothers, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Bull underscore Mountain underscore Brothers and Facebook and YouTube at Bull Mountain Brothers.
3: Also, don't forget to check out our b store at BullMountainBrothers.com where you can find some super sweet deals on some seasonal merchandise and outdoor gear.